You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, local, state, national, covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is Thursday. We like to call that Friday Eve around here. <laughs> and Boomer's on the board. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Hey, I'm great. Good. Thursday. Thursday, a golf cup ball just hit the wall a moment it did. ago. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, we're 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 we overlooked the uh, golf course here, and literally somebody just shanked one, and it went thank <laughs> off the wall about twenty minutes ago. Um, hey, uh, we got a full show for you, and um, it is you know I had somebody to send me in uh, uh, a who was that? The text lines, the text lines are already going, by the way. Um, and uh, and Boomer, if you'd answer Tyler from Huntsville, he's asking about our, our, where we can stream the show. Oh, but yeah, uh, I, I think it was uh, yeah, Daryl from Huntsville just said there's lots of material, and I said tons. <laughs> I mean, this is a target-rich environment for a conservative talk show. I can just tell you. Um, but there's there's plenty of things happening out there. You're going to want to stay tuned because in 30 minutes, actually 20 minutes, uh, Congressman Barry Moore is going to be with us. He is up there in the thick of things right now. He's going to give us a blow by blow of what it's like on the House floor right now, what the tensions are, uh, where the uh, where the soft points and hard points still are, and uh, and see where we're going. And uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing from one of our Alabama delegation members, um, who is himself uh, aligned with the Freedom Caucus but has been voting for Kevin McCarthy. So, yep, we'll get with him at 2.30, Congressman Barry Moore. And then there's this whole triple-dipper thing, so hit it, bud. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So, um, number one. (laughs) Number one is really part three. Congressional chess part three. By the way, right before you went on the air... Um, the votes were tabulated, and Kevin McCarthy lost for an eighth time, eight times, uh, and he lost again by 21. So 17 of those votes went to uh, Representative Byron Dan- Donalds, uh, three went to others. I don't know who the others were, and one just voted present again. In other words, uh, I believe it's uh, Victoria Sparks from uh, Indiana or Illinois, and I think she's just abstaining. Um, lots more on this. A lot of talk out there. A lot of hyperbole, a lot of people that are mad, and then others who are just saying, "What the heck, man? It's what we do. This is, this is what this is what Congress is supposed to do." Well, we're gonna we're gonna work through all of it. Congressional chess part three. That's where we are. Number one of the triple dipper, beginning with a phone call from Congressman Barry Moore. All right, uh, number two on the triple dipper: military moves. A lot of things happening. What's the latest on Space Command? What's, uh, what's the latest with uh, Russia putting hypersonic missiles on ships in the Atlantic? What's the latest with uh, uh, the bombing of a U.S. base in Syria? Have you heard these headlines? Well, probably not. So we're going to cover down on them because they're all new and they're in the, the news. You just have to look for them a little bit. So, yeah, military moves. That's number two on the Triple Dipper. And then number three, uh, carry over from yesterday. I didn't get to it. It was too much to just try and do in the last 20 minutes of the show. I thought, you know what? There's too much stuff here. We're going to hang on to this one. So we're bringing it back today. Open season on ESG, environmental, social, and governance, that woke level of investing, spending, banking. Um, we're going to talk about it because it does appear there is pushback now, and you're seeing more and more 
that the ESG folks are not getting away with it. So, yep, open season on ESG. All right, I got to tell you, last night I was watching the news. Um, you know, follow up the show. Uh, I'm a news junkie, I guess. Uh, Charlene and I are sitting there having dinner. Uh, we watch Tucker Carlson's monologue usually. Um, somewhere around then, something was said, and it triggered a thought. And I told her, I said, there's tomorrow's monologue. And I made a note to myself, and this morning began doing my research. Well, lo and behold, there's articles that come out that seem to feed the beast, if you know what I'm saying. Well, among the many articles that have surfaced about Twitter lately was one that really caught my eye just this morning. The headline read, here it is, quote, Twitter files show U.S. demanded suspension of 250,000 files. Wow. To repeat that, the U.S. government, specifically in this case through the State Department, in the case of that article, asked for over 257, or excuse me, 250,000 Twitter accounts be suspended. Now, this is going well beyond bending information or steering narratives. This is actual government involvement in the silencing of those who don't speak the right way in the view of some bureaucrats. But if you've been paying attention, then you likely already know that this is not isolated to just the State Department. We've now learned that when Joe Biden said he was going to be using a whole-of-government approach that also included censorship, well, we've been finding out in various tranches of the Twitter files that the FBI, CIA, DOJ, CDC, NHS, DOT, and every other acronym agency you can think of has been developing their ability to guide the thoughts and perspectives of the American public by and through social media. I mean, it got so bad that the FBI was actually given its own portal to upload information on what they wanted Twitter to say or allow. Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg said on the Joe Rogan podcast that the Hunter Biden laptop story went into the content moderation black hole because the FBI told them that it appeared to be a result of an illicit hack. FBI. We've even begun to learn about politicians, elected officials, who were supposed to be able to stand on their own two feet and debate the issues, right? Politicians were making independent requests of social media to suppress narratives and deplatform accounts. What all this amounts to is a deliberate attempt to conduct psychological operations by the U.S. government on its own people, something that is illegal at worst and immoral and unethical at best. So if you're not familiar with psychological operations, it's also known as PSYOPs, then let me assure you that I am. For a good chunk of my military career, I was assigned to a role in USA KPOC, the U.S. Army's Civil Affairs and Psychological Operations Command. I spent the bulk of my time on the civil affairs side. Civil affairs, or CA, is a version of special operations designed to work with civilians in the battle space. But as a part of my role in CA, I lived and worked with PSYOPs teams and coordinated our efforts at the team, company, battalion, and command level. My last role in uniform was as an instructor at the Joint Special Operations University at MacDill Air Force Base. So while I can assure you that PSYOPs is a necessary and effective enabler for our troops to use to shape the combatant commander's area of operations, I can also assure you that the government is absolutely not supposed to be using that as a tool to shape the mindsets of their own citizens. Officially speaking, psychological operations are, are you ready for the quote, operations designed to convey selected information and indicators to audiences to influence their emotions, motives, and objective reasoning and ultimately the behavior of governments, organizations, groups, and individuals. Sound familiar? Sound like Twitter? Maybe. The purpose of PSYOPs is to induce or reinforce behavior perceived to be favorable to U.S. objectives. Now, if that sounds a little familiar in light of the social media connectivity I've been talking about, then you're right, it is, and eerily so. To take it a step further, PSYOP can encourage popular discontent with the opposition's leadership, and by you know combining with persuasion, 
with a credible threat. It can degrade an adversary's ability to conduct or sustain military operations. It can also, by the way, disrupt, confuse, and protract the adversary's decision-making process, undermine command and control. And even then, when you properly employ it, PSYOPs, it can have the potential to save lives or enemy forces by reducing the adversary's will to fight. So here's the thing. By lowering your adversary's morale and its efficiency, you can use PSYOPs to discourage aggressive actions or create indifference or ultimately lead to surrender. Do you hear what I'm describing? By significant action to steer a narrative, it has been proven to be an effective tool to reduce the ability of the opposition to even resist. What I just described to you smacks of the Hunter Biden laptop story, the COVID vaccine narrative, the January 6th investigation, and more. Now, there's, there's three types of products that are used to create these messages. So in PSYOPs, you have what are known as white products, gray, and black products. White, gray, and black, they don't refer to the product's content, but rather the methods that are used. In order for PSYOPs to be successful, though, all these products have to be sort of based in reality. All the messages must be consistent, not contradictory. Any gap between the product that uses the PSYOP and the reality that it's talking about is going to be quickly noticed. So you have to have a credible truth presented in a way that's consistent to all the audiences. So here's the thing. White PSYOP, white is attributable to PSYOP. I mean, in other words, you don't hide it. White is acknowledged as an official statement or act of the government. It emanates from a source that's affiliated with the government. It's wide open. Nobody can argue it. It's like, okay, in this case, if the government wanted to buy an ad on Twitter and say, hey, your Department of Health and Human Services says this, that's not really a big deal because at that point, you're buying an ad like anybody else would. But when you get down to the source of gray PSYOP, it's designed to be ambiguous. According to a 2007 State Department historian's website, it says the true source of the U.S. government is not revealed in gray PSYOP to the target audience. The activity engaged in is plausibly appearing to emanate from a non-official source. Gray information is information whose content is such that the effect will be increased if the hand of the U.S. government, and in some cases, any participation is not revealed. In other words, it's best to be gray. It's best to be covert. It's best to be secretive. They get their message out better and it doesn't look like it's them. How much does that sound like what we've been seeing? But then there's black PSYOP. Black PSYOP is the sneaky stuff. It's covert. It appears to emanate from a source, usually hostile in nature. And it, by the way, can be done in such a way as you give out sensitive information and then see if it backfires, but you don't worry about the sensitive information because you want the result of what it does. Black PSYOP is absolutely sneaky. Well, it's all policy-driven. I mean, there's manuals on this stuff. I'm not making this up. I'm telling you what's actually in things like Joint Publication 3-13.2, the Department of Defense Policies and Guidance on PSYOPs. It's out there, man. By the way, that same PSYOP manual, it was published in 2010 last time, and it was signed off on by none other than Lieutenant General Lloyd Austin, now Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. PSYOP, though, is by its definition not to be used against the U.S. populace at any time, anywhere in the world. The whole manual goes on to say that PSYOP runs in phases. You do things like you start with command guidance, you get a target audience, then you evaluate the existing reactions, then you do things like determine the best way to disseminate, and then you rinse and repeat. So what better way to target an audience than to overtly and covertly influence the narratives on social media platforms? which studies show are used by upwards of 70% of the U.S. population. And this ain't new, y'all. 
PSYOPs came into its own in World War II. General Eisenhower himself said this, quote, In this war, which was total in every sense of the word, we've seen many great changes in military science, and it seems to me that not the least of these was the development of psychological warfare as a specific and effective weapon. It works. It works. It absolutely works. And it shouldn't work on American citizens. And by the way, I know that in all this description here, as I wrap this up, I know I've blended some military and civilian inferences. And I've done so because this was a whole-of-government effort to shape the narratives of some of the best and most available source materials. I'm telling you, this has been exactly what's been happening. Truth be told, PSYOP has also been an effective tool of the CIA and other civilian agencies around the world, and rightfully so when it's applied to foreign objectives. But it should never be so on our own soil, with our own people, and done in such a way as what we've been seeing, or for that matter, not seeing. We need to see an end, though, to PSYOPs on American soil. And that's a wrap for the right side way. Well, it just, it just hit me, man. I'm just telling you. It just hit me that what we've been looking at is exactly what I was trained to operate with downrange. Psychological operations is exactly the steering of the narrative and trying to guide the mindsets and the emotions of people in order to influence their actions or, for that matter, suppress their actions. And for the, every acronym agency in the U.S. government to be doing this through social media without announcing themselves... We were getting gray psyoped on a daily basis for a while, and it has to stop. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, just plain right. Uh, I'm already getting reaction on the uh, uh, monologue, among other things, on the uh, text lines. You want to text in, by the way, the number is 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. That's the phone number here. You can call it or text it. Uh, John from Huntsville <laughs> just already give me the business about where I'm going to get my dippers done for the day. But he just said, um, with regards to our building, our, our basically, I, Boomer, I think it came pretty close to the window too, by the way, bud. Um, oh, that golf ball. The golf ball came oh, close. It, yeah, it, it shanked around. Did you hear where it hit? I mean, you were sitting oh, right here watching. I heard it. I just didn't. I thought it was a bird. I don't. I didn't know what it, <laughs> it was. was. No, it was. A, <laughs> it was a giant. It bird. was like a laser guided <laughs> missile, man. Um, there's dents in the side of the building too, by the way. You ought to go out there. I'll show you some later on. <laughs> but. Um, Anyway, John from Hunt says, you ought to collect those out-of-bounds golf balls, put a right-side radio logo on them, and sell them back to the golfers. <laughs> We'd have That's a bag great. a week, man, I tell you. Um, by the way, Lynn from Knoxville just texted in. Uh, as a former military intelligence officer, he says, I actually posted a week or two that the U.S. government performed a PSYOP on the American citizens. Thank you, Lynn, for your service, and uh, you are spot on is what I said back. Uh, Tracy from Athens with regards to what I just said about PSYOPs says, you not only have to worry now about Chinese propaganda, we have to worry about our own blasted government. She says, I've even deleted my Pinterest. <laughs> uh, by the way, I discovered recently that Pinterest can be for guys, too. Oh, yeah. Cars, tools, I, gear. 
I'm not going to lie. I, I look at Pinterest for that type of stuff. I mean, I've got, uh, yeah. I I'm, enjoy it because it gives me good ideas. It's like one big man bag full of stuff. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Um, okay. And then uh, what else we got here? Yeah, Jason from Huntsville uh, just sent in. Um, oh, it's actually the quote. Now I see what it is. Okay, so he sent this in. Apparently this is part of Chip Roy's statement from yesterday. And here's the quote about the things going on in the House chamber. He says, so this is what the chamber looks like when we're debating and there's bodies in the chairs. How many times we've been down here giving speeches and there's not a soul in the chamber, yet this is what it takes to get 435 people in the chamber? The American people are watching, and that's a good thing. I agree. Totally agree with that. I mean, this is the way it's supposed to be. And I've heard, and we're going to talk about it, man, but I have heard more people complain, they're holding up the process. They're not letting us move forward. It's, it's, it's madness. It's chaos. Shut up. The reality is this. This is what's supposed to be happening. If you've ever seen the movie Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, it was the, the story of basically what can happen when one man on principle will stand up and say enough is enough in Congress. And, uh, you know, let's just watch how it plays out. It's going to play out. It's going to play out fine. Um, but, uh, but, yeah. And then uh, Mike from Huntsville just texted in, um, 21 Patriots against 200 sheep. <laughs> uh, and you know, by the way, I don't disagree with either side. I mean, first of all, I am, I am leaning on the 21 side. I agree. They need some reforms, but I don't, I don't grudge the people who are voting for McCarthy. I wish they would look at stop being so status quo and start considering these people who were you know, standing on principle as being not just rabble rousers, but as being people who are trying to do what they believe is right. I mean, get over yourselves. But the, but the truth be told, um, I don't fault somebody for voting for McCarthy if they believe that's the right thing for the nation. And if they're doing it to get a committee chairmanship or if they're doing it because, you know, some lobbyist told them to, then, okay, you got a problem. You don't even need to be there anymore. But they're standing on principle what they believe in. Great. Go for it. I'm just proud of the fact that I am watching on double screens here in the studio that there is still animated debate going on in U.S. government. I mean, how long has it been under the Pelosi regime that we've seen what we're seeing right now? We haven't. All right, more to come on that. Coming right back with Congressman Barry Moore calling in. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right and we are back phil williams right side radio solid conservative and just plain right covering down on some ground across the great state of northern 
Alabama or the great state of North Alabama. Great part of northern Alabama. I'm talking about we go way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in for good measure. And uh, listen, we're going to the phones right now. He just called in. Boomer, you were literally answering phones, pushing buttons, dialing down all at the same time, man. You are. I was. Tr I was trying. I'm sorry, uh, Congressman Moore, if I got a little flustered. That was my fault. <laughs> you were multi. No, bro. You. I was sitting over here impressed. I was, all I had to do was talk. You're over there, like both hands were going. And <laughs> hey, listen, uh, we're going to go to the phones right now. Uh, Congressman Barry Moore uh, is somebody who I was proud to serve with in the uh, Alabama legislature. He has now been serving in Congress uh, for the last several years. Uh, just won re-election to his second term and uh, is one of the more conservative members of Congress in general and certainly of the U.S. delegation for, from Alabama. Uh, so let's welcome him to the show right now. Congressman Barry Moore, how you doing today, sir? Phil, I am doing fine. I am coming to you live on the steps of the U.S. Capitol waiting to vote for another round of speakers. Well, I, I'm watching right now. It looks like nominations are underway for round number nine. Is that right? That is correct. I think Matt Rosendale from Montana, who's actually a freshman classmate of mine, is right now nominating, I believe, Byron Donald. I, I had to step off the floor to, to do the call, and I actually went to the cloakroom, but every phone booth in there was full, so I had to come out on the steps to get a little sunshine while we talk. Well, a little fresh air won't hurt, but uh, I'll tell you, Congressman, uh, this has been something to watch, and I think the, 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 the general consensus of my audience and, and really of me on this show, too, is what an amazing thing to get to watch actual debate with with seats you know being filled on the house floor uh in a substantive fashion I, I mean i recognize there may be frustrations at some point but at the same time this is to me this is democracy in action what are your thoughts absolutely i as historic as it is i think they said we had uh, nine votes in 1923 i think this is number nine in 2023 so 100 years but it's good to have the process even play out in the public eye and for us to debate and nominate, and, you know, I feel it's 70% of the Republican caucus is new since Trump was elected in 2016. So this is not business as usual in Washington, D.C., now that we have the majority. Yeah, we got steamrolled the last 24 months, but now that we have the majority, there is going to be debate. There's going to be disagreement. There's going to be an expression of speech. And, and certainly uh, uh, try to argue your point and who you like and who you don't like. And so that's what's playing out right now on TV and on C-SPAN and the world as you watch is we are going through a process of trying to find a speaker. Those of us to the right of the conference are trying to get the most conservative speaker we can get and the best rules package, while at the same time getting to 218. It's like a Kevin McCarthy has 222 frogs in a barrel. He's trying to keep them from jumping out. So we're, we're trying to, to work through that process. Negotiations are ongoing, and we'll see how it plays out. Well, so let me ask you, uh, uh, Representative Moore, the um – the, you you had uh, sort of intimated early on that you weren't sure you were on board with McCarthy, but you have been voting for him for the last, uh, I guess, seven, eight votes. Um, where do you see it going? Because I believe I, I understand yesterday in 1819 News, it was said that you said that at some point McCarthy may have to step aside and even nominate somebody to take his place in the uh, nominations process. So what's up with yeah, your vote and where do you see it going? Yeah, Phil, I got asked that question a lot in the last few weeks because about 60, 70 percent of the House Freedom Caucus are standing with McCarthy right now. We have members within the House Freedom Caucus that are not for McCarthy. But for a while, I was a hard nothing. In other words, I wouldn't give the media any answer, hard yes or no, because I wanted to make sure that we kept negotiations open. And I can tell you, McCarthy has made some concessions on rules that I appreciate. He's done everything he can to get the 218. But talking to some of my friends on the floor from the, from the House Freedom Caucus, they don't think he's going to get there. And I just talked to McCarthy on the floor a little bit ago. I think he 
maybe sees the writing on the wall. He tells me it's in works and they're going to get there. But we just, I don't know. I thought after last night, after the recess and the, the meetings with Chip Boy and, and the number of the, the descendants or detractors, that he would probably come out a little better today, maybe be at 212. Hadn't moved the needle yet. No, still at 221 right now, or, or actually 21 losses, I mean. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, so, so let me ask you this. Um, I saw this morning, and I'm going to detail it with my show here in a little bit when you, we get off the phone, but uh, that Club for Growth has actually been in the background working with uh, McCarthy's Super PAC to make sure that, you know, part of the concessions are that they don't engage in primaries in such a way as to prevent conservatives from being to run against incumbents um, and that that may or may not already be an agreement. Have you seen that happening? Is Club for Growth on board with McCarthy yet? Do you know? Well, we, we heard, I heard the same thing you heard, Bill, that Club was there. And then Chip Boy is very close to Club, I think, in a lot of ways. And the fact that he hasn't moved his vote yet makes me think that, that Club is not quite there. But I think Kevin did hurt himself, obviously, planning some of these primaries, open primaries primarily, Bill, where you had a, uh, you may be a, what we'd consider an establishment running against maybe a House Freedom Caucus person. And what happened was that left a bad taste in a lot of these folks' mouths that yeah. ha- happened to win. And so they, they haven't gotten over that. So they can't get to a yes for McCarthy because of uh, – and look, I thought – you know, I didn't have any associations, endorsements. But at some point, I remember Micah 6 eight, it says, you do justly, you love mercy, and walk humbly. So at my point, when after I won the runoff and got into this thing, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to do my best to do justly. I'm going to love mercy, and I'm going to walk humbly. So certainly my heart breaks for Kevin. I know he's worked as hard as anybody has. But if he's not the man for the job and can't get to 218, it might be time for him to step back and say – who can we all get behind? We've got moderates in our group, too. It's not just like House Freedom Caucus. we got moderates in the, in the caucus, you know, in conference, and, you know, may have won a Biden district. And so it's going to be tough to find somebody that we can all agree on, but we'll get there. I just don't know how long this is going to take. Well, I guess, uh, so here's, here's two other questions for you as the guy who's in the thick of it right now is, number one, is there any concern that you're going to see a collaborative effort with Democrats to elect a speaker? And then number two is if they don't do that, and if it's not McCarthy, who do you think are the real strong names who may actually rise to the top and become someone that everyone can rally around together? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't think that there's six of our members. That was a threat early on, uh, maybe a veiled threat, that they might go team with the Democrats and elect a really moderate speaker. But the Democrats assured us on the floor a while ago, I was talking to Matt Gates, and he, we, we asked a couple of Dems, and they're like, we're 212 for Hakeem Jeffries from here on in. So I don't think that's ever going to happen. They're not going to peel off and come help the Republican moderates get a speaker. So the next scenario is who is in line behind McCarthy? I think you have a couple of Steve Scalise, obviously, um, you know, he, he he's well-liked within the conference. I think he got a hundred percent of the votes in conference. So um, it's when he was running for whip. So, so let me say, I, or would be what we call majority leader now. And then Kevin Hearn, a name that not many people know, has been circulated amongst House Freedom Caucus and some of the moderates on the floor that he's a business owner and been here since 2018, but he's a heck of a leader. He's going to be chair of the Republican Study Committee. His name is starting to circulate. So we'll see who else gets in there. I, you know, I like Jim Banks, too. So we'll just have to kind of see how it shakes out. But I don't think a House Freedom Caucus member is going to ever get to 218. So we as House Freedom Caucus have to agree to get somebody that will work with us on the rules, work with us on committees, and having a voice in the process while at the same time being able to get the rest of the conference behind. Well, and I, and I, I agree with all of that. So, um, you know, as we wind down our time here, I know you have to get back on the floor pretty soon, but um, 
There was one of your compadres, and I've forgotten who it was, but one of your peers in Congress this morning was on Fox News and, and literally said they felt like this process would probably not wrap up this week, that it would probably go through the weekend into tomorrow or to Monday. I mean, um, do you see it taking that long, or do you see something coming to a consensus before the weekend? It depends on House Freedom members. If we will take our foot off the gas and let us go into conference and recess for a little bit, vote to adjourn, then there's an opportunity to maybe seal something before the weekend. If not, it may drag out. Well, that's, that's, it's going to be interesting to watch, but I'll be honest with you. I go back to my original comments. I have been so proud to see this level of debate, this level of open discourse, and, 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 the, and like literally bodies in the seats, in the chamber, no proxy voting. Everybody's there. And, uh, and I, you know, I, let me ask you this, too, I guess as we, as we finish here. Dan Crenshaw, who I, by the way, like Dan Crenshaw. I've got great respect for him and his service. But I've been a little bit dismayed at comments that he and others have made seemingly intimating that how dare they have a differing opinion? How dare they not get on board? Um, what's, the, what's, the, what's the mood like on the floor? Is it still collegial and professional, or is it getting tense? What do you think? I, you know, I think people are, are, are starting to see the writing on the wall, but I am disappointed with some of the comments from members within our own conference. I mean, this is not a personal thing. This is a policy thing. And granted, I understand their frustration. Look, we're all here making history, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent. At least everybody's here voting and talking. But, but I, you, know, I, you know, yeah, disappointed. But I think the mood on the floor right now is a, it's a realization setting in that Kevin may can't get there. And if he can't, we need to come out with a leader or somebody that we can get behind and, and say, okay, this is our guy. And everybody get behind him and let's get this thing done. Well, uh, Congressman, thanks for your time today, and thanks for your service to our state and, uh, and to our nation. And I just saw that uh, your colleague, Lauren Biebert from um, – Colorado just nominated Kevin Hearn, and they're going to a vote count right now, so I know you have to get back in there. So thanks again for your time. Yes, sir, my friend. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens. All Keep right, thank you. Your prayers. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right, folks, that was uh, Congressman Barry Moore, uh, who hails from South Alabama down in the Wiregrass area. Um, he, he and I both served in the state legislature at the same time. He was in the House. I was in the state Senate. And uh, he was always one of the more ardent conservatives um, uh, in the state House. And uh, now uh, in the uh, in the in the Congress, and uh, glad to see him up there. And, and and I love having people like that with a relationship that I can call and say, "Can you come on?" Because I, I just texted him last night, and he said, "Absolutely, I'll get my communications guy to set it up with you." So here he is, t- walking off the House floor in the middle of nominations uh, to make a call in. So anyway, you heard it. There it is. Nominations have been made. The uh, clerk of the House is now calling the roll for the ninth round of speaker votes. And we'll see how it goes forward. But I, I would dare say uh, they're not going to get there today. Um, but you know what? I am not perturbed. I do not see this as being like the downfall of U.S., you know, Western civilization, as some are claiming. I'd look at this as being totally healthy. This is what has to happen. And if you listen to, to, to Barry's point, uh, Congressman Moore's point a moment ago, uh, it's, it's well taken that since Trump was elected, 70 percent of Congress is new. 70 percent. And a whole lot of people who came in with the, the MAGA mentality, the, the, uh, the, the more of conservative bent, they're not establishment people. They haven't been there long enough to have the establishment grab hold of them. They're speaking their mind, and they're voting accordingly. And, um, you know, he pointed out, even the Freedom Caucus is divided. Part of them are voting for McCarthy, and part of them are saying no. But at some point, we're going to get there. And when we do get there, whatever concessions are made by conservatives – will not be made after this this process. They can only be made in this process. 
They can only see change take place right now because once we get past this vote and we have a speaker, negotiations are generally speaking going to be done. So getting it done now is absolutely what has to happen. If you want to see the rules process change, if you want to see things like, you know, being allowed more time to read bills before they vote on them, if you want to see the spending spree put to an end, if you want to see conservatives being given a seat on the major committees to make decisions, if you want to see true investigations and up or down votes on things like term limits, if you want to see those things, it can only happen by these negotiations right now. So there you go. All right, Booms, take us to the break, brother. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back. Yeah, it's it's a it's a target rich environment, man. <laughs> uh, Gunner, load Sabo. Here we go. All right, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Good interview with Congressman Moore. I really appreciate his time. So um, uh, just got a question a moment ago. Let me find it. Where'd it go? It was uh, on our text line. Text lines are open, by the way. You want to text in 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. That's the phone number here at the studio. Text or call. By the way, if you text for the very first time, Text the word right side. It's all one word. Text the word right side uh, to that number, 833-68-RIGHT, and then you'll get an automatic response back that says something like, hey, you right side ruffian, thanks for joining us. Uh, and then just tell us, like, your first name and where you're from. After that, you know, we'll be you know, chiming in on stuff you send in. So uh, we've got already text messages flying in, TC from Priceville, Missy from Falkville, John from Huntsville. Um, a new one today. Thank you on the text line. Kathy from Birmingham. Uh, Juan from Newmarket. Got a question here. This is a good one. Cynthia from Claiborne County. So uh, good question, Cynthia. She says, um, I've been watching this, but can someone explain to me why a Democrat is listed on the board for the potential of being Speaker of the House when the Republicans are the ones who have the House? So I've been watching some of it and keeping uh, and keep seeing the Democrat on there. Yeah, that's because, uh, well, the, first of all, they're certainly allowed to nominate. Uh, the two major parties each put up their nominations, and they know that Hakeem Jeffries is, you know, he doesn't have a snowball's chance, although it's a very narrow majority. So they just keep on working, and it's part of the process. You also have them with the uh, they, they take nominations from the floor. So the two nominations of the two parties come out. Republicans have been nominating Kevin McCarthy, uh, by and large, uh, and then the Democrat caucus has been nominating um, Hakeem Jeffries, their majority leader. He's a I mean, minority leader. And then you have um, the opportunity for um, floor nominations. And the floor nominations thus far have been like Byron Donalds, um, Jim Jordan, and a few others. So when you see in the vote count, right now I'm looking. So we, we, have, we have actually three, four names up right now. They're in the ninth round. Uh, so, Cynthia, the, the, right now we got Hakeem Jeffries from the Democrats. We've got uh, Representative Kevin McCarthy, of course, from the Republicans. 
Then you have two other Republicans that were nominated from the floor, one being Representative Byron Donalds, who already has five votes, and Representative Kevin Hearn, who Barry Moore just talked about, um, who has two votes. Uh, so, yeah, we technically have four nominees uh, on the floor. That's, that's the deal. So, yeah, bottom line is uh, Cynthia and anybody else who's been wondering, uh, you are um, allowed to make the, uh, the nomination and your party can vote for its person, even though they know they may not win. It's somewhat symbolic, but then again, it's certainly allowed by the rules. Uh, got several new listeners that just literally popped in. Um, uh, who all we got there? Uh, Dylan from Athens. Glad you're with us. Appreciate you, man. Uh, thanks for joining the show. Uh, so, yeah, Dylan from Athens is new on the string. And then uh, I just saw, too, uh, somebody that says right side ruffian. Well, that, that, that works. Uh, Boomer will find out who they are. <laughs> so uh, we got two new ones that, uh, that just jumped in. Brian from Huntsville says, unless you have an automatic loader, it's loader load sabo. Sorry, Brian. You're the tanker. I'm an infantry guy. Anyway, he says the gunner is a bit out of place to load round. Okay, fine. <laughs> loader load sabo then. I got it. Anyway, um, and then uh, uh, we got uh, Tony from Piedmont says the establishment is squirming right now. And he says, quoting a Brit, he says, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And I totally agree. Uh, by the way, the, uh, uh, the new texture is uh, Kenneth from Hartzell. So, Kenneth, uh, glad you're with us, man. Thanks for joining the show. Um, TC from Priceful on the text line says, he thinks that McCarthy and Gates ought to settle this with dueling flitlocks at dawn. <laughs> But he also says, seriously, though, I firmly stand with that small group of conservatives who will not stand for any more swamp rats in positions of power. Um, we're going to have some. There's going to be there's going to be some of what I would call the establishment folks who have been there because seniority rules the day in uh, in the, the chambers uh, of, of Congress and, and the Senate. And so we're going to wind up having some of what I would call the establishment type um, Republicans who are going to wind up being committee chairmen. But, but some are not like we know that uh, Jim Jordan, he doesn't want to be speaker. But Jim Jordan's ultra-conservative, and he's going to be the cha chair of judiciary. That's going to be great. Um, so we'll wait and see what happens. Um, anyway, more to come on this. we got plenty. i got number one on the Triple Dipper here, congressional chess. We're still kicking it off. i got a stack of stuff. We're going to walk down the line on what did Trump say last night. Well, it turns out that what I got a report of yesterday, I think it was Missy from Falkbo may have sent me that yesterday. That was a uh, that was a fake news release. That wasn't real. He did not withdraw his support of uh, Kevin McCarthy, as near as I can tell. Uh, I do have a story here that will cover down what Trump is saying currently. Um, I say currently because that can change. And then uh, I've got plenty of others, too, like Club for Growth, which I talked about with Barry Moore. That's, that's hugely interesting, and I'll explain why that's so important. And then Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, you know, I like that one-eyed frog man. Um, uh, I like his service, but um, he's wrong on this one. He's absolutely wrong. He needs, to, he needs to chill the rhetoric and recognize that what's happening right now is what's supposed to be happening. So much as I like the dude, I want to see him take a chill pill. But we'll talk about it when I get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, Congressional Chess, Part 3. Y'all stay tuned.
Hey, all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live on the Right Side Studios, hour number two already. Local, state, national, covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Um, wow. I mean, hour two. I'm not sure where hour one went. Hour two. <laughs> I, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, and, and, you know, even with the tech glitches and everything else, we're just the clock that keeps on ticking, apparently. The clock that keeps on ticking. I will tell everybody right now, if you're trying to watch the show on our website, for some reason that server is down, but you can watch the show not um, our on server, YouTube. their server, right? Yeah, yeah, not our server, their server, our website server. And uh, so you can watch the watch it on YouTube right now. Just look it up on Right Side Radio. Our YouTube channel is up and going. Isn't that That's funny? Right. Because YouTube's the one that tries to deplatform us once in a while. <laughs> so I'm just waiting. But And then also, so I think it's up on our Facebook as well. Okay, Facebook, yep. YouTube, Instagram? Uh, not Instagram right now. Instagram's being a little I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I brought bringing up, up those. Place. Sorry, man. <laughs> there you were. All just chipper and laying it out clear, and I had to go there. Oh, I do have something real quick. What's that? Uh, okay, so I was telling you earlier at the beginning of the show, I was watching for the first time. I didn't know they had to nominate. Um, out loud every single time. A formal nomination. A formal nomination. It was very yeah. interesting to me hearing the actual nomination. It's not just a, I nominate this person. It's like a... Oh, yeah, they make a speech. They, they, it's like they, a speech, yeah. They, they lay out their arguments, why and wherefore, and they you know talk them up to the, to, the, to the members of the body. Yeah. And it's also, by the way, it's a formal process. It has to be done that way. By uh, the rules of parliamentary procedure, it has to be presented to the body, literally. Mm. Uh, by um, by you know voice and then act, uh, and then there's a roll call vote. They can't just you know take a show of hands or something. They have to do an actual roll call vote and get it on the record. Wow, it's it's, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, in the state legislature, it was the same way. The processes were very much the same. We elected our leaders. Oftentimes in caucus, we knew who we were going to go out on the floor and elect. We still had to do it on the floor because the actual record or the journal they call it, the journal of the Congress or the journal of the state senator, whichever body you're in. Uh, has to be annotated to show that there was a actual motion, a second, uh, you know, a nomination, whatever the case may be, and then uh, a true vote. Okay, one other question. Yeah. When you nominate somebody, the person that is being nominated, do they have to know you're nominating them? <laughs> oh, not necessarily. I mean, because, I mean, if somebody nominated, I mean, for, I'm sure if they nominated Trump, that, that he would know about it, but I mean... I, I, what if I, I need to find out because I heard that Matt Gates nominated Trump this morning. I oh. don't I don't know if that really happened because I was not able to, to be where I could watch it. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, I mean, it, 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 you know, what you don't want to see is people trivializing this by making fake nominations or, or you know, uh, sort of straw man nominations. Uh, and some of this is being I will say this. The one thing that I've got an issue with on the 21 who are holding out is that. They have not been consistent in their nomination. The names keep coming out there. Jim Jordan, you know, uh, mm. Matt Gates, uh, uh, Andy Biggs, and then uh, now now Keith or Kevin Hearn. And I'm like, okay, look, y'all, 
if you say you really want somebody else, then make it like you really want somebody else and right. not just whatever name is available at the time. Um, Hmm. Anyway, uh, that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good question. Thank you. Uh, and I, I, by the way, Missy from Faultville just sent in, I said something earlier about um, she had sent me a, a, what looked like a press release for Trump yesterday withdrawing his support um, from uh, Kevin McCarthy. And she just said, you know, hey, sorry, I had no idea it wasn't real. And it, neither did I, Missy. I mean, it was, it was about as uh, good. It even sounded like something Trump would say. Um, but uh, so, no, no worries. Um, okay. Let me move into my stack of stuff because here it is. We've already done the first hour, Boomer, and I have not picked up the first of my stack of articles to go with yet. Um, and, uh, and by the way, I'll note that Dan Crenshaw is on the screen right now uh, having himself another heated moment uh, with uh, Neil Cavuto on Fox. Um, uh, the vote count on both CNN and Fox News on the big screens here in the studio shows that it appears that Kevin McCarthy has already lost the ninth round of voting. Uh, because he can't lose more than four. He's already lost 12, and the counts are still going. So, yeah, there's that. Um, so what do they want? You know, one thing that Dan Crenshaw said yesterday is, uh, in fact, I, let me dig through. I'm going to find that article. I'll do that one first. Since he's on the screen right now, I'll just talk about the Frogman. So the Frogman's up there. By the way, they call themselves Frogman. Um, but uh, former Navy SEAL, now turned congressman, Article here in National Review, uh, dated yesterday, Dan Crenshaw blasts the GOP holdouts on House Speaker vote. Quote, tell us what you actually want or shut the blank up. Um, first of all, Crenshaw's wrong for that attitude, in my opinion. Wrong. I don't mind him being irritated. I don't mind him wishing they would get on board. But to say that they are not saying what they want, first of all, Representative Crenshaw, you're not on the teams anymore. We're not in a place right now where good order and discipline requires the following of orders of the one person who's in charge of the team. You're not on a military mission where life or death means everybody getting in sync and doing the exact same things or having their job so outlined that they know what their role is. That's not this. This is politics. This is debate. This is public discourse. This is the establishment of policy. This is entirely different than your time in the teams. So you can't look at them and complain that they're not getting on board or acting in a functional way to benefit the team. They are. In fact, they believe as strongly as you say you believe in your piece. So Dan Crenshaw is just wrong on this. And I like Dan Crenshaw personally. I'd love to have him on the show. We may have to reach out and see if we can get him on later after he calms down and takes a Valium. But, um, but he literally came out yesterday saying, quote, they need to be men and adults and say what they want instead of playing these little games. That's what they're asking. That's what I've asked them. Some of them are my friends. Stop saying platitudes like Washington is broken. We can't do the status quo. Well, Washington is broken, and they're tired of the status quo. So what's your point? Well, his point is he doesn't know what they want. Yes, he does. He knows exactly what they want. So the next story I've got here, Fox News, has a piece that talks about some of the concessions being made to the Freedom Caucus members who are holding out. And I'll be honest with you, you know, they're not scary. At least they're not scary if you're conservative. Um you know, the one thing that I heard yesterday that made me think, hmm, I guess I see it, is there are some who are concerned, some of the hand ringers are concerned, if we give everyone everything they want now, it'll never end. We'll, we'll, we'll wind up having to, we'll wind up having to, you know, every time we have a scary vote, they'll be wanting things. Um, well, if that happens, deal with it. That's what leadership is about is herding cats. Leadership is about getting people to do those things they might not otherwise have done on their own. That's leadership. 
But what they're asking for is very clear. They've been asking for things like procedural and rule change and bills to vote on. On the bills to vote on, the Freedom Caucus has been clearly asking for the opportunity to get a floor vote, a simple up or down vote on term limits, on limited spending, balancing the budget, uh, and on having more opportunity to read the bills before they come to a vote. Mm, How bad is that? I heard Dana Prino this morning, who I usually agree with, saying, that's just notional. These are votes that, that are symbolic only. It doesn't mean anything. Why would they do it? They can't pass it through the Senate. So what? It's important to get these things on the record, partly because you told your constituents you would, and partly because it makes a permanent record of where the establishment will vote. If they won't vote for term limits, but their commercials on TV during their last campaign said they would, aha, that's worth talking about. So they're asking for those things. What are they asking for in terms of procedural and all that? Well, first of all, they want to know that if they're ever dissatisfied with the speaker, if anyone's dissatisfied with the speaker, that a member of the majority party can make a motion on the floor to have the speaker vacate the chair. That's how they got rid of John Boehner. And aren't we glad? John Boehner, I think I was tired of him. Uh, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but personally, I don't think it hurt the nation that John Boehner was asked to vacate the chair. Well, Nancy Pelosi changed the rules so that couldn't happen again. We're looking at going back to where it was, but they don't want to go back to where it was because no one wants to deal with having to lose their job. So what they're asking for is, number one, that a very small minority, maybe as low as one, can make a motion. It still has to prevail on a vote. It's not like you can say, you know, vacate the chair, and then that, that ruins things. No, anybody can make a motion at the proper time. And there are some motions that are proper at any time, like a motion to adjourn. A motion to adjourn is always in order. That's the rule. Um, so they're asking for that. And then the other thing they're asking for are positions of decision-making possibilities, like the rules chairman, or not rules chairman, rules committee. The rules committee is the one that decides what bills come to the floor, and it's called passing them out of rules. And the rules committee is one of the most powerful committees in Congress. Because you may chair House Ways and Means, you may chair House Armed Services, but if your bill gets out of House Armed Services and you can't get it out of rules, it still doesn't come to a floor vote because rules sets the calendar. Rules is the one that puts the bills on the floor and tells you what order you're going to vote on them in. And the Freedom Caucus is asking for the opportunity to have some of their more conservative members on the Rules Committee. I'm for that. Representative Don Bacon is right now on CNN just crying in the microphone. He was so whiny earlier, he can't believe they're doing this. They're wrongheaded. How dare they? Sir, this is debate. If you can't handle debate, you don't need to be in Congress. There you go. Um, <laughs> Boomer, I am just slowly working my way through this this whole segment. <laughs> it's all right. It's just it's just inching along. There's, There's a lot to cover. Target <laughs> I mean, rich. Target rich environment. <laughs> target rich. Yes. All right. Take me to a break, brother. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back. And I uh, already got some new textures on the line again. And I see somebody, uh, Rita from Scottsboro. Dan Crenshaw this morning said called some of the senators terrorists. He sounds more like a Democrat. Mm, that's a crying shame, too. All right, folks. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Hey, uh, this topic that we're on right now is probably one of the more engaging topics we've had. The text lines are blowing up. People are calling in. We had a congressman on just a little while ago to talk about it. So that's all good stuff. Uh, let me jump on the phones right now. Line one, is that Jeff? Yeah, Jeff from Indiana. Jeff Rowe, how you doing today, man? Oh, I'm doing pretty good today, Phil. Sitting good. home again. Oh, well. Plant burnt down last night. So. Oh, no. Your <laughs> well, plant burnt down. had a major down. fire, yeah. Well, I had a major fire anyway, so. Wow. But, Anybody hurt? Yeah. No, everybody got out fine. It it, it catches on fire pretty often. It's, it's a metal foundry, so. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> major fires now and then, so. That's, that's never no, what you no, want to hear, no, that your no place reason. of work catches on fire pretty often. I hate hearing that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not good, but I'll take the time off, too. (laughs) As much as I work, I'm ready for a break again. (laughs) All right. Well, there's the high side, I guess. But uh, what's on your mind today, man? Uh, You know, McCarthy, uh, you know, he's a politician. Uh, He can tell all these people that he'll do what they want him to do and everything, but then he can do like all politicians do and just – this, uh, it's not written in stone. It's not a contract. I guess he can uh, renege on everything, can he? Uh, yes and no. Um, he, he could renege. Good luck getting away with that because everything's been very public and out in the open and no one's going to be able to say you didn't do it. But the other thing is some of what he's, he's talking about, like when he says rule changes, those are actually rules that are in the books. You have to You have to abide by the established rules of Congress. And once they're changed, you can't do anything different unless you change the rules again. Um, and then hmm. the... Uh, the, the potential for seats on the uh, committees, once you've been seated on a committee, uh, you have to be officially removed from the committee. Uh, so if they get seats on rules or some of the other major committees uh, as part of these concessions, you can't just change the mind the next day. You, you literally have a, a process that goes through that's uh, open and transparent. And So anyway, bottom line is once he makes the promises, he's going to be stuck with it, in my opinion, for the most part. Mm, well, I see. I didn't know that. I, I figured it'd be like most politicians that could just promise you their world and and then just say, "Oh, I, I didn't really mean that." You know, now that I've got an office, I, I I would suspect there's some things that he could he could use proxies to help him finagle. Like you know, if he if he promised as a speaker to get an up or down vote on a bill, and then the rules committee wouldn't do it, or the committee where it was located wouldn't bring it to a vote. Um, or if just delayed and delayed and delayed and then amended the bill to where it wasn't what they wanted, I could see where he could uh, he could do some things without having to look like he's the one doing it. I've seen that happen before. But um, yeah. I think for the most part, once he makes these concessions, uh, it's real. Well, I hope so. Uh, I mean, I, I fully figure that he's got probably going to be in our, our next speaker, but you know, I hope they hope they get what they want because it's, it's like uh, with a mansion and everything. He, you know, he was the one lone holdout and everything, and you know, he pretty much made him God, you know, in the Democrat Party there for a while until he, until he's, they've uh, got more of the majority now. But, uh, you, you but know, that, you, that's another problem. You, you, uh, just, you just brought up a good point, though, Jeff. I mean, all these folks who are wringing their hands, they were loving it when uh, Manchin was gumming up the works for them when they were not the ones in the majority. That's, uh, that's a great point. I hadn't thought of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I say, it, it when it comes down to this close of uh, uh, you know, margins and stuff, you know, you, when you're the well, the gang of seven. Remember how they used to control everything and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, just just a few people can can go together and and you know basically control everything. Uh, I think that's what the pro- make, biggest problem with the United States is that we've only got just basically a two party system. And if you're a different, you know, I think we should be more like uh, Israel, where you got all you got you've got a certain 
basically have a coalition between different parties to, to rule. And, you know, you got to compromise then. Where right now we've got, you know, Democrat or Republican. If you're something else, you're just out of the loop. Well, we, and, we've uh, we've had we've had more party like the Whig Party back in the 1800s. Uh, the Whig Party yeah. is what birthed the Republicans because of what we're seeing right now. The Whig Party could no longer contain some of the more conservative members who became Republicans, and now Republicans are the dominant party, and the Whigs are gone. So I, I wouldn't be a right. bit surprised to see sometime in the next 15 to 20 years that the far left side of the Democrats or the more far right side of the Republicans. Uh, truly begin to break off and just settle for being a caucus under themselves. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully something happens because, like I say, it's and th- unless things change, we're <laughs> this country's pretty much doomed. And you, you've got to, you people have got to wake up and and see that. It's, if they don't see it now, it's going to be too late for long. Well, we'll see how this fleshes out. Right now, it looks like, though, McCarthy has already lost vote number nine. I'm looking at the vote count, and uh, ain't no way he's going to get it. He's already down by 20. So, um, who, would you, who would you want in there, Phil? Uh, right now, I mean, uh, I think I would be happy with Jim Jordan. I said that a few weeks ago. Uh, be happy with Jim Jordan. Oh, yeah. uh, I think Steve Scalise is good. I like Andy Biggs. Um, but, uh, but we'll see. I think Byron Donalds is a good dude. I think he's got a great future, but I don't think he's got enough experience to be Speaker of the House yet. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Hey, man, we're up against the break. Appreciate you, Jeff. You have a great day, bud. Have a good day. All right, bud. Um, wow. I'm not hearing music yet, Boomer, but I know we're there. So I <laughs> it's so close. So close. Um, all right, listen, we're going to come right back. I'm going to keep this thing going. Congressional chess, because there's a vote count that is almost finished. We'll talk about that when we get back. I've got a few other things going on, like uh, what's going on with um, what did Byron Donalds himself say? And then what's up with Club for Growth? What do they mean when they talk about primaries? It's a, it's a, to me, it's a game changer. We'll talk about that when we get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. back right side radio solid conservative just plain right covering all over north alabama i'm talking about down south of birmingham up north of huntsville tuscaloosa back over to gadsden parts of georgia tennessee and mississippi thrown in just for good measure uh by the way it is official uh mccarthy have just lost his ninth ballot um uh, and he didn't even move the needle 21 again yeah, he's down by 21 17 voted for representative donald's three for hearn and uh, one for uh, just abstaining in general. So, yeah, the, the Republicans got some work to do. And, uh, 
anyway, it, it's going to happen. Uh, and and just, I mean, people are talking about how, like one Democrat stood up and goes, this is hurting our national security. Shut up. <laughs> Sit down. The Russians are not attacking right now like we can't get something done. Um, th- this is... It's making us a laughingstock. No, it's not. Have you seen how many nations around the world have to build what they call coalition governments and they fight for weeks? I mean, they can't seat the government until they've worked with the various factions. I mean, what we're watching right now is democracy. Uh, we're we're going to get there. We're going to get there soon. Um, so just stand by. Got a bunch of new textures, by the way. Dang, man, they keep coming in. Um, if you want to text in or call in for that matter, the number is the same number, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Uh, welcome to several new ones. I uh, just saw another one uh, just texted in, don't have his location yet. Um, calls himself G.I. Joe. So, uh, and by the way, G.I. Joe has a question. Uh, what is it about McCarthy? He's not getting the votes. Well, we've been talking about that for days, uh, Joe. Uh, I don't know if I can go back into that all fully right now. But um, the end result is it's not truly McCarthy as much as it is procedures and rules and wanting some things to be different. There are some, there are a few I hear that are, are mad at McCarthy himself because he didn't support them during their last elections. But there are mostly, the, the ones who are holding out are mostly holding out because what they, they want are some substantive changes to the way Congress runs because it's just been a good old boys club that spends money and doesn't allow for transparency. They want some of those things to change. So there's a, about the briefest answer I can give you, Joe. Welcome to the show, by the way. Uh, just saw Sid from Hartzell is new. Uh, Sid, glad you're in, the, in, the, in the, the show here with us. Who did we have a minute ago? Was it Sue from Smoke Rise? I don't see it on there, but I know we had a – is that right? I think it was Sue from Smoke Rise. I don't see it now, though. She's like, like it's disappeared from my, my queue here. Um, I don't know where it went. Yours disappeared, too? She was legit, right? That was we were looking at that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Sue from Smoke Rise, Alabama. I didn't know where that was. I think uh, it's close to Warrior is what they said, and then now the text just disappeared. Well, uh, nonetheless, we do have several new ones <laughs> on top of that, and uh, I appreciate it. Um, all right, hey, listen, what did Trump say? Story, townhall.com. Katie Pavlich wrote a piece that came out this morning. Uh, there, was a, there was a fake story out there that Trump had withdrawn his support from Kevin McCarthy. Not so. Um, he's kind of playing it cool, though, I will say that. He's starting, to, he's starting to sound a little bit middle of the road. His words, this is a quote from Trump that was issued last night, quoted in townhall.com. It says, very good things are happening behind the scenes for the Republican Party. Intense but smart negotiations between great and patriotic people are ongoing. They all love our country and they want something to go forward ASAP. This event will end up making the Republican Party stronger and more united than ever. Our nation's at stake. Stay tuned and make America great again. That does sound like Trump. Uh, and that is apparently officially from a press release that was issued um, through his uh, platform, Truth Social. Um, and then you've got Club for Growth. Okay, those of y'all that ain't familiar, you, know, you hear about special interests and PACs and things like that. Well, believe it or not, some of those are truly conservative. Club for Growth is the most conservative uh, organization that I can think of out there that supports candidates. And Club for Growth is not afraid to get involved in a primary. So a lot of these PACs, they won't do anything until the primary is over because they don't want to waste their money and maybe lose it. Club for Growth is one of those that's willing to go to bat. If you have a longtime incumbent and they think they've got a good conservative candidate to give them a run for their money, they'll jump in there with millions of dollars and help fund that primary to try and get a conservative 
in place of an old establishment incumbent, and they've done it multiple times. So Club for Growth um, is an organization I used to be. I was a Club for Growth Foundation fellow myself. Uh, went through a bunch of their their seminars and and and, and had a chance to uh, you know be in uh, in the places where we got to listen to Mark Meadows and Chip Roy and some others along the way. Uh, it was worth my time, I can tell you. Well, here's the thing. There's a there's a negotiation ongoing right now. Club for Growth has said that they will openly. By the way, Club for Growth is very Freedom Caucus oriented, very much so. So Club for Growth has said that if the the super PAC that is chaired by McCarthy as the majority leader for the House, if the super PAC called the Congressional Leadership Fund, which, by the way, is really an incumbent protection, that's all that is, it's incumbent protection. It's designed to make sure that no one can challenge the people who feel like they want to stay there. You want to stay there, we'll protect you. Well, that, that really gets irritating when you consider what it takes to then overcome that. Um, if someone's saying, hey, you know, that, that Congress has been there forever, not doing a thing, not very conservative, I'm going to run against him. Well, that takes millions of dollars. And if they've got the backing of the Congressional Leadership Fund, the incumbent can just kind of go, woohoo. Um, the primary is going to be a whole lot harder to deal with. Club for Growth has now said that if the, the, the Congressional Leadership Fund, the super PAC that protects incumbents, will stop supporting open seat primaries, in other words, don't get in there and handpick your, your candidate then, then, and not grant resources to other super PACs to do the same thing, then, and then, you know, and also, by the way, not engaging so heavily in incumbent protection that Club for Growth will support Kevin McCarthy. And that was David McIntosh, the president of Club for Growth, who, by the way, when I kicked off this show uh, in July of 21, the very first guest I had was David McIntosh, the national president of Club for Growth. Uh, anyway, um, that's interesting to me. You're looking at an outside major force in conservative politics saying, we'll support you, sir if you'll start allowing conservatives to run without all the incumbent protection blocking it. That's, that's big doings, y'all. Um, okay, what else have I got here? Uh, I think I'll move past that story. We've kind of covered it. I'll move past that story. We kind of already covered it. We'll move past that story. I think I've kind of covered it. Boomer, I think I'm winding it down, man. I think I'm getting there. Um, Going through the list. One story that I do have from National Review. Oh, I'm sorry, from Just the News. Justthenews.com is saying that this conservative revolt, they're calling it, against McCarthy, is poised to spread to others in the GOP establishment. Don't think, don't think that won't happen. I mean, I mean I'm saying, what I'm saying is don't be surprised if that happens. Uh, I said the other day, and I don't know who came up with this phrase, genius, the Republicans have a mech problem, a mech problem. They have McConnell, McCarthy, and McDaniel, the chair of the uh, Republican National Committee. They got a mech problem. Well, McConnell's out there doing the goodwill tour with Biden yesterday, and they're talking about how we are getting so many things done to spend the infrastructure bill to build a bridge in Kentucky. Well, okay, great. How about this? You start seeing conservatives getting emboldened in the House, you may see them get emboldened in the Senate. And McConnell, who, by the way, has got to be aging out of the opportunity to keep doing this pretty soon, um, you may see McDaniel. Um, that, that sentiment begins to sway away from McDaniel, who, by the way, is coming up for a vote. She may or may not be able to prevail as the 
continuing chair. She appears to have the votes right now, but so did McCarthy. So we'll see what happens. But justthenews.com is purporting that what we're seeing right now is something that they say could generate sentiment that goes to others in the GOP establishment. That will be interesting. And the last one I've got is from PJ Media. So PJ Media put out a story yesterday. It's really, I think, more of an editorial. They, they really don't um, cite a lot of like polling statistics. But they say in this article that there's a significant majority of Republican voters who agree with what they refer to as the GOP rebels. You know, my sense is that's probably correct. The, the chattering class, the, uh, the establishment class, the, the folks who are used to being there, and, and also, by the way, the ones who live off the dollars that come from knowing the right people in Congress and Senate and all that, kind, they're not happy right now. They're worried because they've been making their plans around what it will mean to have Kevin McCarthy be the Speaker of the House. They've got all their relationships lined up. They've been working hard to support his super PAC. They're, they're looking at what it means to work with him on committees. They know who they've told him they hope will be a committee chair. They, 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 they know what they've got to do to kind of keep the gravy train rolling. Wait a minute. It's not Kevin McCarthy? Holy crap. Now we've got to start over. Well, that's the chattering class. That's the establishment and lobbying class. And by the way, they're not all bad. They're not all bad. I, I learned that quickly in, in Montgomery, that not everybody who has the job of a lobbyist is a bad person, all right? It's like saying all lawyers are bad or all police officers are bad or whatever. No, there might be a few bad apples, but a lot of them are good. But what we're seeing right now, though, is that that class of, of folks, they definitely want Kevin McCarthy. They're comfortable there. They know what they've got. But the base, the voters the people who send people to D.C., by and large are saying, man, we want more conservative principles. We don't disagree with what's being asked for. Now, we can see where you might concede a little bit here and there. They're asking for, like one of the concessions is only one member of the body has to nominate or has to move to vacate the chair and try to remove the speaker. I'm okay with it being five. Five is achievable. If you can't get five, you shouldn't even be making the, the vote, the, the, the nomination or the, or the motion to begin with. I could see a little bit of negotiation, but the principles they're asking for, I agree with this article in PJ Media. I think most Americans are looking to see how this goes because we want something to go differently in D.C. We need it. We've had Pelosi just shoving things down our throat for the last two years. We've had Adam Schiff and Swalwell and, and all of them just having their way and it's saying whatever they want, leaking things to the media, and then literally acting in a non-transparent way. We've got to move forward. We've got to do things differently. I think the vast majority of Americans is going to watch this outcome of Kevin McCarthy, may or may not get the speakership. In the end, it's still going to work, and it may actually work better. And Boomer, I think that's enough on that topic. What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to go to a break right now. Boom shakalaka, take me to a break. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back. And I am moving the number two in the triple dipper. Tell John from Huntsville I'm moving on. <laughs> Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative. Just plain right. Yeah, making it cool to be a conservative. Hey, um, listen, uh, we've got uh, plenty of activity on the text line. I mean, this has probably been one of the most active uh, textings uh, that we've had in, that I can think of. I mean, it's like, wow, lots of new people, lots of activity. I can tell this is a topic that engages the audience. Uh, we just had one, too, by the way. Uh, where'd it go? I just, I just, oh, Tony from Piedmont. Um, Tony from Piedmont just said uh, he'd rather go back to Afghanistan than go to Washington, D.C., but he may try to unseat Mike Rogers. <laughs> and I said, all right, man. I said, whoa, keep me posted. He said, Roger. Um, so, all right, Tony, if you're in the running, let me know. So uh, yeah, I got what? a quick question real quick before we move on. All right. For McCarthy, in, in you know, while he's being nominated so many times and for about the, to go the 10th time. the 10th time, yeah. Yeah. So They're, they're, they're doing it now. So what do you see? Do you see him ever not wanting, like, or more so giving up his nomination and nominating someone else? Like for the good of the order, stepping aside? Correct. Or not, is that too much of a, you know, thing I'd, for him? I'd say not yet. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's all for him. I mean, certainly you don't want to be the guy who, who thought you had it and then you didn't and you stepped aside and then lost your opportunity to be the Speaker of the House. Um, uh, so I would... I would I would recognize how bad that would make the dude feel, but in the bigger picture, here's part of what we're dealing with, I would think. There are 200, 90% of the GOP caucus supports Kevin McCarthy, 90%. Mm. There are 10% who are holding out. Now, by number and by rule, that's enough. But those 10%, if the 10% are successful in making McCarthy step aside and it not being uh, him— uh, then I think the other 90% is going to have a whole lot more um, angst than they would if they just get some concessions and get the votes. Mm-hmm. In other words, the, 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 the 90%, they're going to they're live with the concessions. And the truth be told, it's not going to be bad. They, they, you know, they, they all say they're conservative, so why not act like it? But if the 90% does not get the Speaker of the House that they thought they were going to, they're going to be ticked for the next two years. And and I I think I think the good of the order is going to be find the negotiated settlement and watch Kevin McCarthy get elected. That's that's what I anticipate is going to happen. But we got a ways to go. Mm-hmm. And on those settlements, I mean, will oh. we ever know what they're talking about? Oh yeah, you mean okay. the concessions? Yeah, the concessions. Oh yeah, they'll make it known. Okay, they have to. I mean, there's there, there's ain't no way no reporter is going to sit idly by <laughs> and go, I'm sorry, you won't tell me. It's not going right. to happen. Somebody from the somebody would if, if but you know what though it. It wouldn't be a leak. Somebody would just wind up saying, "Yeah, here's the here's the official release. I've determined to give." And they've done that so far. And I will say this: Kevin McCarthy has already given quite a few concessions. Mm. There's a few more things they're holding out on. Uh, and some of these, and somebody asked me on a text a minute ago, they're doing they're doing the tenth vote or something. And, and why keep doing vote after vote if you know you don't have it yet? I think part of that is symbology. I think part of it is because that's what they're up there to do. Mm. But then the other thing I think it is, it's also wearing people down um, because every time they go to a vote, I guarantee you the phones begin ringing in the congressman's office. Um, constituents are texting them. It's not like I'm the only one that has all their personal cell phone numbers. A lot mm-hmm. of people do. And, uh, and so they're, they're getting blown up, some good, some bad. And at some point, everybody gets tired, like any other job. And, um, you know, I, I hear people joke all the time. Well, how hard can it be? It's freaking hard. I'll be honest with you. The state Senate, we would have all-nighters. We would literally go down there, and you'd be in the in the Senate chamber for 
24 straight hours. And if you don't think that's tiring, you know, wrangling on a bill, checking on the amendments, knowing which way you're about to vote, what did he just say? Why did she say that? And, you know, it's, it's mental and physical. So don't think this ain't tiring. It is. Mm, man. Wow. I get it. All right. Thanks. That, that was perfect. That was a good rabbit trail. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, I'm not even sure that I have time to kick off my next dipper. John from Huntsville, I'm sorry, man. John's already texting in. I'm ready for dipper number two. That was uh, my fault, John. That was my fault. <laughs> it was a boomer boomer rant. No, we had a ton of texts come in, so I'll go through some of those real quickly before we hit the top of the hour. Um, uh, by the way, um, what are we seeing here? Zach from Hartzell. Is saying something about uh, one of the channels. Um, yeah, they uh, they they just switched to Fox News. Uh, yeah, you know what? Which, by the way, I'm so glad. Yes, absolutely. Our Huntsville affiliate, <laughs> which I've been on now for a year and a half, every time we'd go to break and and I could hear the news, it's like they would contradict me. They, I'd, I'd be on there going, "Well, this should never happen." They come back on and go, "So important that this happens," <laughs> or or I'd say. You know, vaccine mandate. Mandates are bad. Government needs to get out of our business. They come on and go, it's important that everyone gets their vaccine. <laughs> Dang gum. So I'm on board, Zach. I'm so glad that we're moving to uh, Fox News for the uh, mid-cycle breaks on our Huntsville affiliates. Uh, what else we got there? Uh, John from Huntsville, I already quoted him, although he did say, by the way, he thinks Chuck Norris ought to be Speaker of the House. <laughs> Start roundhouse Chuck kicking Norris. some of those Republicans. I used to know so many Chuck Norris jokes. Those were the best. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a, there's a, we, ought, we could do a whole half hour on Chuck Norris jokes. Yes. Um, uh, Chuck Norris says, but anyway. Uh, Andy from Arab, uh, one of our paratrooper buddies uh, with the 82nd Airborne and all that. But uh, he says, Michael Berry and Dan Crenshaw had a falling out, two Texans. Uh, Dan's an American hero. Didn't mean to mention your competition. <laughs> He's, but um, yeah, Michael Berry's another radio show. But he says Michael mentioned how politics can bend common sense sometimes. I yeah, I, I see it. I'm wondering. I mean, I think we're finding out that that Dan Crenshaw is not near as conservative as we would have thought. But he just had a meltdown a moment ago on on Neil Cavuto. Uh, I couldn't hear it, but I saw some of the subtitles. Um, interesting. David from Huntsville. He said, Heritage Action supports conservative candidates also. You are right, David. You are so right. Paul from Athens. Crenshaw's right there with Tom Cotton and McConnell now on the bad list. That's a crying shame, man. Um, and Bill from Huntsville. We are a representative Republican, not a democracy. Sorry, Bill. Thanks, man. Okay. Going to a break. Those text threads. I'm telling you. Wow. <laughs> Williams, Right Side Radio. Boomer and I are right back. ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right you're listening live to right side radio with phil williams it's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side right side radio solid conservative and just plain right (laughs) We'll <laughs> 
Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios, local, state, national. Man, we're covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Hour number three today, tomorrow being Friday. By the way, we've got a guest that's going to be in studio with us tomorrow. Pretty excited about this. Uh, Annette Funderburk is the... um, the chancellor of Ingram State Community College, which a lot of people have not heard of because it's a special community college, two-year system uh, designed just to educate inmates. It's, it's, a, it's got a unique program. It's making waves. It's doing great things. Uh, Annette Funderburk and I have known each other for a few years. Uh, I had her in a podcast that I used to do uh, about three years ago, and um, it's fascinating. So tomorrow she's going to be in studio with us, making a trip up here to the Right Side Studios. She'll sit in, and we'll talk through that. You're going to want to you're going to hear that because to me, it's one of those best kept secrets, good news stories. Yes, there are good things happening with inmates in Alabama, despite what the news might say. And one of the best things happening is some of the stuff that comes out of Ingram State. So y'all stay tuned for tomorrow. We will have uh, Annette Funderburk from Ingram State in studio with us. Um, by the way, before I get too far down the road. I got to tell y'all, if you have not been to Just Love Coffee Cafe, you need to. Like, for instance, maybe you get a lunch break. I don't know about y'all. A lot of times I'm still at my desk eating a sandwich. Charlene makes my lunch for me every day. I wish that I could get out the house. If I get out the house, one of the places that I would love to be at is Just Love Coffee Cafe. And, And yes, is it coffee? Sure they have coffee. I mean, it's Just Love Coffee Cafe, right? But their menu, like, look at this. I mean, go down. It's, by the way, it's not a normal menu. You're not getting the burger at the drive-thru, all right? You're not getting the usual old, you know, submarine sandwich put together with, you know, lettuce, tomato, ham, what else you want. You know, nothing like that. How about the, uh, you can get the grilled Italian caprice. That's mozzarella cheese, basil, pepper jack cheese, sliced tomatoes served on sourdough with a side of balsamic vinaigrette, chips and a pickle spear, and grilled in a waffle iron. Love that. You made me hungry. I, I, so I could tell. Hey, you got a mouthful <laughs> of something going over there. Or how about one of my favorites, the Jive Turkey Wrap, a flour tortilla with turkey, bacon, provolone cheese, spinach, and creamy pepper jelly spread served with chips and a pickle spear. Mm. I'm telling you, their menu is, is great. They got a great breakfast menu. Yeah, check them out. Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And please, when you check out, Tell them, hey, by the way, I heard about this on Right Side Radio. That goes a long way. Um, okay, moving to number two of the Triple Dipper in the last hour. I'm just now getting to number two. <laughs> by the way, before I do that, <laughs> because, hey, why start? Before I move to number two on the Triple Dipper, let me refer back to number one of the Triple <laughs> Dipper because the House is now taking the vote on the 10th attempt to elect Speaker uh, of the House uh, Kevin, as Kevin McCarthy. Um, he hasn't lost yet, but he's going to. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's, that's happening as we speak. They are now calling the roll. Uh, the, uh, the nominations were made from the floor again. Uh, McCarthy, uh, Democrat, Hakeem Jeffries, and then two additional Republicans, Representative, uh, Kevin Hearn and, uh, Representative Byron Donalds. Um, so there you go. Um, all right. Number two of the triple dipper. Military moves. There are things that are happening right now in the military world uh, that, that, to me, are worth note, man. I mean, there's there's some significant things happening. And I don't mean just conflict-oriented. I mean, I'm talking about military policy and, and foreign relations that deal with military that, um, 
that are significant in and of themselves, if you track international affairs, then some of what I'm about to go over, or for that matter, military policy, then some of what I'm about to go over should pique your interest, especially knowing this audience. We have a ton, ton of veterans in this audience who text in regularly, by the way. We also have a ton of listeners I know who, who may not call the show, but I get feedback from them by email and, and on social media. And then we got all you green suitors out there at Redstone and all the defense contractors. And then we got Anderson Army Depot, Maxwell Air Force Base, tons of National Guard and a veteran community. All right. Military moves. First story out the gate, military.com, which is usually pretty liberal when it comes to policy issues. But this one is a superior reporting. Poland has just signed a deal to buy its second batch of Abrams tanks. Now, the, the, uh, the Abrams tank is, is, is the premier battle tank in the world. Um, and it's, by the way, it's, it's like at version SEP4, I believe, or they're heading that way. Uh, enhanced uh, guidance or, excuse me, uh, sighting systems, targeting systems, uh, got capabilities that just outpace anything else on the battlefields around the world. And Poland, just last year, signed a $4.7 billion agreement to acquire 250 upgraded M1A2 Abrams that are going to be delivered in the year 2025. Well, they're also awaiting delivery, by the way, of U.S. HIMARS artillery systems, and they've already received Patriot missile batteries, and they just signed another $1.4 billion deal yesterday uh, at a military base in Wysola, Poland, near Warsaw to deliver another 116 M1A1 Abrams tanks. So they're buying a bunch of upgraded M1A2s, older M1A1s, and they're outfitting their Polish army in NATO fashion. So so the the standard right now across the board is becoming U.S. arms sales uh, in NATO countries. That's uh, that's big doings, y'all. That's, that's if, if you're paying attention to... I mean, when you do standardization of military across across the board, when like for instance, if if five five six for the long guns and and you know nine mil for the sidearms is uniform across the board, then it doesn't matter where you are; you can get ammo. All right. What about systems? If if you have your allies using the same systems you do, compatibility becomes an issue. Part supply becomes uh, lack of there's not there's not as much of an issue. Ammunition becomes less of an issue. And, oh, by the way, coordinated capabilities, because you know what their capabilities are because you have the same on the battlefield that can, that can make a difference in terms of planning and execution. So Poland signed a deal to buy another batch of Abrams tanks on top of HIMARS artillery and Patriot missiles. Wow. Okay. Military stuff. What else we got? Russia. Which, by the way, the interesting thing about the Ukraine war if you can say there's been some interesting things. The interesting thing is how much we've learned about Russia's capabilities or lack thereof. You know, we, we have seen that their equipment cannot withstand what they said it could. We've seen that their troops cannot do the things they said they could. Uh, we've seen that their logistics trains, their leadership, uh, their execution, their, um, their strategies, their tactics, nothing what we thought it was going to be, um, which is very interesting. But one of the things they have done, though, is Russia has a hypersonic missile-armed ship that is now actually patrolling the global seas. So storyline from Military.com again, January 4th, yesterday. Russian President Vladimir Putin on Wednesday sent a frigate armed with the country's latest Zircon hypersonic missile on a transocean crew in a show of, cr- cruise in a show of force 
as tensions with the West escalate over the war in Ukraine. Russia says the Zircon missile can evade any Western air defenses by flying at an astounding 7,000 miles per hour. Good Lord. There's a reason why they call it hypersonic. Uh, the ship is called the Admiral Gorshkov. It's the first ship in the new series of frigates designed to replace the aging Soviet fleet. It's armed with an array of missiles. Uh, it's 130 meters or 427 feet long, has a crew of about 200. Um, and it uh, has been the main testbed for the Russian Zircon missile. That's the seaborne hypersonics. Uh, Zircon is intended to arm cruisers, frigates, and submarines and can be used against both enemy ships and ground targets. And they also say, by the way, that they can, uh, they can hit uh, uh, basically anywhere they want to. Uh, once they're in open waters, uh, they can take out our command and control nodes, they claim. Um, so as we watch tensions rise because of our contributions to Ukraine, Russia's trying to show off and say, yeah, but we're patrolling right now with capabilities that you don't fully have. Um, there's that. Uh, last one before the break, I think. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but the other day we had a U.S. reconnaissance plane flying in um, over open airspace, and a People's Liberation Army Navy fighter pilot not only buzzed our plane, but literally came within 20 feet of the nose of our plane. 20 feet. Now, 20 feet, I can spit 20 feet. All right? So I'm just saying, if you can, if you can, and, and they can do this. I mean, I, I get it. And it's cool to watch it on uh, Top Gun where they fly right over the top and take a picture of the Soviet pilot. But, but when you're really in the air and you're the pilot of the recon plane and a, uh, um, an opposition fighter, pulls up and then parks himself 20 feet off your nose. That's uh, that's that's pretty incredible. Well, Coffee or Die magazine. Coffee or Die magazine says uh, the Chinese military officials now have fired back and say that it was just the opposite, that the Navy fighter pilot was dangerously buzzed by a U.S. Air Force spy plane. Let me just let me just explain something. The spy plane has far fewer maneuverability and speed characteristics than the, than the fighter plane did. So the idea that the fighter plane sat there innocently and suddenly this reconnaissance plane, this, you know, <laughs> flew in and buzzed us. We didn't know what was happening. Please stop. Please. We actually have it on film, by the way. Um, so, yeah, in a release issued Thursday, U.S. officials have uh, alleged that their U.S. crew um, took evasive actions to prevent a collision when the Chinese fourth generation fighter came within 20 feet of their nose. But the China's Southern Theater Command, they released a 18-second uh, video on social media claiming that they had deliberately had to change their flight altitude to avoid the reconnaissance plane flying dangerously. Whatever. All I know is tensions are high in the air, um, uh, and China is uh, something to be watched right now. That's our near-peer adversary on the world stage. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a break right now. We'll come right back. I'm in number two of the Triple Dipper, Military Moves and... The vote is underway for the 10th round of votes on the Speaker of the House. We'll tell you how that's going when we get back from the break. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hearing that bump music, by the way, reminds me that uh, um, JT from Lacey Springs just texted him a minute ago and says uh, he's, he's nominating Ted Nugent to be uh, Speaker of the House. <laughs> I don't know they can handle it in D.C., man. Uh, we had him on the show, Ted Nugent, on the show a while back. It's still in our podcast, I guess, in the Boomer. Yeah. Uh, it's there. It's there. Um, so, yeah, Ted Nugent was on our show, what, August? Is that when we had him? I think it was yeah, August. Somewhere in there. Yeah. And uh, and Charlene, my wife, said afterwards, that man's a force of nature. I said, yes, yes, he is. <laughs> um, that, was a, that was a good interview. I enjoyed that one thoroughly. Um, and uh, and we've got the audio and the video, so it was it was pretty cool. Is that where is it? Where else is it posted besides podcast? Can they get the uh, the video anywhere? Is that is that available? The video is on our website. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it is on I our website. I'm not sure if we were doing it uh, on YouTube or not at, by that point. It was either YouTube or I don't think so. Okay, so I think we probably were still a website. On, I think we're still using the old WordPress website at that point too, weren't we? Yeah, I think we already transferred everything over. Okay. I'll I'll double check that. All right. All right. It's worth checking out though. Um because it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh we cracked up. Um and, you know, he he was a hoot. He he did uh he did keep it to where we didn't have to bleep too many words. <laughs> <laughs> Except during the breaks. <laughs> during the breaks, we just had to cut out the whole breaks. Yeah, during yeah, the breaks, we had to just for, just forget the breaks. Um uh, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I got to tell him too, uh, Ted Nugent. Uh, I got to tell him about um, when I got his autograph in Baghdad, which was uh, uh, very cool. Two thousand four. Uh, literally found out that Ted Nugent was going to be at Division Maine over at uh, they call it Camp Victory, and um, he and Toby Keith, and uh, and so we we had reason to have to be there. I, I had I had sometime in the very near future to go draw more op funds for my team to operate uh, in Central Baghdad. Uh, which meant going to division finance, and um, and that's no small thing. I mean, when you say like it would be the equivalent of driving about twenty five or thirty miles here at home, which took hours uh, because um, first of all, Baghdad uh, was one massive traffic jam after another. It was also we 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 had to bypass multiple IED strikes. Um, we had to roll through the green zone, which is a checkpoint in, checkpoint out. Uh, we had all kinds of things in our way. Finally got there because I had found out the day before. How did I get on this, Boomer? But I had found out like the day before that Ted Nugent and Toby Keith were going to be there. They had kind of kept it quiet because they didn't want people like me bringing our people across the war zone to see a concert. But I did have business, and it was real, all right? Real business. I had to go draw another couple of hundred thousand dollars in cash to use for op funds. Um, so we, <laughs> I told my guys, I said, here's the deal. Uh, we had a security detail that we worked with a lot from the mortar platoon. We called them shooters. The shooters, I said, tell shooters we got a mission. We're rolling out tomorrow morning. We're going to the we're going to Victory, at Camp Victory, and then um, Toby Keith and Ted Nugent. And everybody went what? And I said, Roger that. We're going. Don't say a word. Just get her done. So we got lined up. Convoy had about uh, eight vehicles roll out, gun trucks and all, and it was a mess getting there. It was one of the worst drives through Baghdad that we had had. And we arrived just in time, just in time to hear either Toby or, or, or Ted, I don't know which one, say, thank y'all. We love you. Y'all stay safe. <laughs> they walked off the stage. <laughs> we're like, what? I mean, we're literally, we rolled up and I told my guys, I said, we'll do business later, go to the concert. And then we heard them yell that. And we're like, crap. And so we're standing there all hangdog and feeling bad for ourselves and trying to take our body armor off and whatever. 
And here comes Toby Keith and Ted Nugent walking right up. And they literally walked right in front of me. And they got on this armored bus that was going to take them back to the next uh, you know, place they were going to play or whatever. I looked at one of my guys. His nickname was Animal. I said, Animal, sir, team needs autographs. I'm on it. <laughs> he just went and got on their bus. <laughs> he literally, he just went and got on their bus and, uh, and came back a little later, and he's passing out autographs. So I got Ted Nugent's autograph, and it's sitting right behind me here in the studio on the shelf on the wall behind my head. Um, cool story. Tony wow. from Piedmont says he's all in for Ted, so uh, glad of that. Um, Chris from Gadsden just texted in um, regarding that story about Russia having hypersonic missiles, because I'm in number two of the Triple Dipper, Military Moves, which I'll wrap up again when we come back from the next break, because uh, I had to tell my Ted Nugent story. But uh, Chris from Gadsden says, so how do we know that Russia has hypersonic missiles that actually work? We don't. We don't. Uh, great question, Chris, but we, we don't. Uh, all we can do is look at this and go, well, they've tested them. They say they worked. And they're now carrying them in open waters off of our coast. So we're going to have to go ahead and assume for the sake of security and uh, propriety that they work. Um, and if they don't, great. But you don't want to be the guy who goes, well, I didn't think they'd work. And they did. Um, so anyway, it's the, uh, it's the next stage of arms, uh, arms race is, is the hypersonics. One of the next phases of the arms race. All right, I, you see how much I got done in my dipper that time. <laughs> got a lot. We we really jumped in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I got more. I got more. There's we, more. There's more. Hey, there's a lot more. You're looking at it. And another, another dipper. In my hands, right here. I'm, <laughs> I'm showing the world. I got stories. I got stuff. I got highlights. Stay tuned up for those stories. <laughs> I'm excited to hear them. All right, folks, Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. Coming down to the final half hour, y'all stay tuned. Military moves. We'll talk about it. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right this show covers some territory i'm telling you right now way down south of birmingham to up north of huntsville tuscaloosa back to gaston parts of georgia tennessee and mississippi all thrown in just for good measure hey before i go any further i gotta tell you you hear me talk about riley and jackson law firm so riley and jackson these are friends of mine i know these folks personally a great firm a major firm they work out of birmingham but they cover the entire state Riley and Jackson, they wanted me to let y'all know, 
If you are one of those folks who has been at Camp Lejeune between the years of 1953 and 1987, big spread there, and you may have been a service member, a dependent, a contractor, there for training, permanent duty station, doesn't matter. But if you were there for a period of time in those years, 53 to 87, you may well have been exposed to what has been confirmed to have been a, a water contamination that has um, caused up to 19 different major illnesses. They got like five lawyers working on this. If you want to call them, they will talk you through the process and see whether or not you qualify for a claim. That being said, they are also working on something else they wanted me to tell you all about. If you were a firefighter or if you were in the military working with firefighting foam, you may well have been exposed to a carcinogenic form of firefighting foam that, um, that, that this, it's bad stuff, man. And, uh, and they're working that case too. So here's the thing. Either one of those things or anything else for that matter. They've, they've built a career on helping people be made whole after the negligence of others. And, and this is a firm, by the way, I've worked with them on issues. I've worked with them on cases. And they are not just good on the law. Uh, they're good in politics, too, if you know what I mean. Riley and Jackson, they will not charge you for the phone call. They won't even get paid unless they get a payment for you. So check it out. Riley and Jackson, here's the phone number. Ready? 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson out of Birmingham. 205-879-5000. Doesn't matter where you are in the state. Give them a call. They'll talk you through it and see what you qualify. And by the way, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. No representation made the quality legal service before it's greater the quality legal service for the lawyers. Ooh, that was a really fast one. That felt like I got it in faster than 2.7. You know what? We'll just say that. I'm just going to say it is. What do you think about that? <laughs> That's good. Boom hey, shakalaka. Real quick, before you move on, I know John's probably going to text in and stuff, but before you <laughs> on, did you hear about the Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin? I think he has a Yes. Weekend. Yes, I did. What a great news story, too, by yes. the way. Um, and just... and, and I, apparently he woke up, and the first thing he said was, did we win? Right. He asked the question. I mean, that, that's which, by the way, that's just kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of cool. And uh, so I don't know what his status is. I haven't heard anything. Have you heard any more, Boomer? Have you, have you... I haven't heard any more. I just saw a couple of news articles pop up um, on the computer, and I think I saw something on the screen up here. But yeah, praise God. Need to need to dig into that. But, man, I'm so glad he's awake, and I know his team is too. I mean, how – I mean, just seeing your teammate on the field like that and then... Having CPR performed right. on him. I mean, but now he's awake and stuff, so that's that's awesome. That is awesome. That's that's awesome. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, all right, let me do some more here in number two of the Triple Dipper. So military moves, things that are happening. Well, uh, some of this is foreign policy, but it relates to military posturing. So right now, China is deemed to be an aggressor in the Pacific region, all right? they're They're doing things like... Uh, in the South China Sea, they're building their own islands. Have you heard this? Why would they do that? Well, because they want to have strategic basing, but they also are of the, the belief that, <laughs> that no one's going to say anything about it if they expand their territorial waters because they now have new land masses from which to measure. Because that's the way it usually works. You measure from the land mass uh, out. Well, if they build a new island, they're, they're moving the goalposts, basically. That's ridiculous. But then they're also doing things across the entire Indo-Pacific, and they are seen as what we call our near-peer adversary right now in the world. And they're, they've, got a, they've got a Belt and Road uh, initiative right now that's designed to sort of grab hold of other nations and help develop them in return for a little quid pro quo. You know what I'm saying? Um, this is the advancement of the Chinese mission. 
Well, something that came out of another story on military.com, that's, that's three stories in a row. Anyway, military.com has a piece. The U.S. moved to reopen the Solomon Islands embassy to counter China. Well, okay, Solomon Islands. I'm not even sure that I knew that we used to have an embassy in the Charlotte, Charlotte Solomon Islands, but apparently we closed it at some point, uh, you know, after the, uh, the fall of the Soviet uh, Union because it was deemed unnecessary. Well, the Biden administration, according to military.com, dated yesterday, is plowing ahead, it says, with plans to reopen the U.S. embassy in the Solomon Islands in a bid to counter China's increasingly increasing assertiveness in the Pacific. Um, says the State Department has informed Congress it will soon establish an interim embassy in the Solomon Islands capital of Honiara on the site of the former U.S. consular property. So a consulate is different than an embassy. They're going to call this an actual embassy. There will be an ambassador, I guess, to the Solomon Islands. It says the modest embassy will at first be staffed by just two American diplomats and five local employees at a cost of $1.8 million. A more permanent facility with larger staffing is eventually envisioned. Um, so why are we doing this? Well, because China's got growing influence there. And, oh, by the way, uh, post-Cold War, we kind of pulled back from the Solomons. This is out in the Pacific. And since that time, like I said, China's rise as a regional and global power in the whole Indo-Pacific region, well, it includes the Solomon Islands. Since we first announced our plan to reopen the embassy in February, the nation, the Solomon Islands, moved ahead with a security pact with China. Really? Yes. So here we are saying that we're going to come back and make our presence known, and they're going to like, yeah, it's cool, but we're going to sign a security pact over here with China. Um, sparking fears, according to this article, that the, the, the Chinese may actually be intent upon establishing a military base there. Um, they've also increased China has their economic and infrastructure assistance to the Solomons, like they've done in other Pacific Island chains. So the Pacific Islanders, who are too often neglected, I mean, we've had the Philippines, you know, that we worked with for years, and then they, they wanted us kind of out. Um, that's great. But uh, now we're seeing China's influence. Uh, and it comes with a price tag, I guarantee you. Um, here's another one. All right, for all you defense contractors, all you federal contract employees, pay attention. Big news. Defense Daily uh, has a piece that came out yesterday, um, which I haven't seen reported anywhere else. But it says, in a majority opinion, a panel of judges for the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit found President Biden overstepped his authority by using the Procurement Act to require virtually all federal contract workers be vaccinated against COVID-19. Now, this has been enjoined already, um, and it's been enjoined in another circuit um, more recently. But what we're seeing here now is we're seeing a plurality. A plurality of the circuits are beginning to come together with their own rulings, and they're all of the consensus that, hey, Biden, you know what? You can't do this. In fact, the, 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 the ruling is just so well written. Uh, I'm enjoying this. It says, here's the quote from the majority opinion from the uh, Fifth Circuit. The president asked this court to ratify an exercise of proprietary authority that would permit him to unilaterally impose a health care decision on one-fifth of all employees in the United States. We declined to do so. <laughs> uh, that's, that's called a legal smackdown is what that was. That was not even – that was – that was the Chuck Norris roundhouse kick from a judge right there is what that was. Um, it says the December ruling 
keeps in place an injunction against the contractor mandate that had been issued by a federal district judge in Western District of Louisiana. So it had been enjoined by a lower court. It was on hold. The injunction was appealed by the Biden administration to the Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit came back and go, uh, no. Um, I love the, the, the final words here, too. The majority held, quote, hypothetically, the president could mandate that all federal employees uh, reduce their body mass index below a certain number on the theory that obesity is a primary contributor to unhealthiness and absenteeism. Under the government's theory of the case, the only practical limit on presidential authority in this sphere is the executive's ability to tie policy priorities to a notion of economy or efficiency. In other words, what they're saying is, if we don't stop him now, he can do anything. He can come back and go, yeah, you know what? If you smoke cigarettes, you can't be a federal employee, a contract employee. Uh, if you eat Twinkies, you cannot be a contract employee. Um, if you don't believe what we believe about LGBTQ, then you're out. No, it can't happen. Um, okay, a couple of stories here. If you're not familiar with the Wagner Group and you're inclined to military issues, then get familiar with the Wagner Group. I say that because the other Russian army is the sort of independent Wagner Group. They're basically Putin's mercenaries. When you watch a movie and you see these things about the private army, you know, this is that. The Wagner Group is not just a bunch of guys um, who are former commandos that are now getting paid big bucks to go do clandestine missions. No. The Wagner Group is a whole other army that can disavow connectivity to the Russian flag in order to do things that Russian government can't get away with. They can go places and they can, you know, basically bring the hammer down in a way that no organized nation should ever do because it could be called into the Hague and, and tried in international court. That's the Wagner Group. The Wagner Group has not just armed men. They have tanks. They have armored vehicles. They are a full-on assault force. They are not small. They are tens of thousands. So the Wagner Group is run by a guy named Yevgeny Prigozhin. Yevgeny Prigozhin is uh, Putin's like right-hand man. He heads up the Wagner Group. Prigozhin is, according to the article here from 1945.com, is the ultimate hardliner and a fierce nationalist, and he reportedly has Putin's full confidence. While Russian army sputters and his navy sinks, the Wagner Group has cultivated an image of ruthless competence. So here's the thing. I got two articles. The one from 1945 goes on to say, but the Wagner Group's reputation is overblown. While Defense One, in my left hand, has a headline that says, a senior White House official has said that Wagner mercenaries are more aggressive than the Russian military. Now, that may be true. Because Prigozhin has T-90 tanks, he has other armored vehicles, and he has a, he's a shadow mercenary force that has been doing things the way he wants to do it without having to worry about what the generals say. or what, He can do things, like I said, without waving the flag. And that's a dangerous place to be when you have that. I can understand having contractors doing occasional small missions or one-offs or clandestine work, but when you have a full-on army and just call it the Wagner Group, and it's run by a billionaire, hardline old-school Russian activist who's loyal to Putin, that's a dangerous place to be. So be aware, 1945.com says that the Wagner Group cut its teeth in Africa, uh, but that it says that all it ever did was take down a weaker force uh, as opposed to truly you know, being a force to be reckoned with on the major world stage. Well, I don't know. 
Right now, we do know this. The Wagner Group is in Ukraine, and the White House is saying they are more aggressive than the average Russian soldier, uh, probably because they're being paid a lot more, too. One of the things that also came out, though, was the Wagner Group is sometimes staffed with Russian prisoners. So they'll, Putin will allow prisoners to be taken out of the prisons, sent to the Wagner Group, who will then plus them up and send them out of the battlefield, and they don't care what happens to them. So anyway, the whole thing is weird, um, and it's, it's, it's kind of beyond the pale. I recognize that we have groups like Blackwater and, and others, Triple Canopy and some of the others that uh, pay big money to send you overseas and do some stuff. Uh, but most of that is small fry by comparison to what the Wagner group does. Last thing I got, last thing I got in military moves, what's happening with space command. So I've been looking, looking and looking. The last article I can even find is dated December 9th. And it's by a Colorado local news source, krdo.com out of Colorado Springs says literally, New information indicates the three-year controversy over whether to keep the U.S. Space Command at Peterson Space Force Base in Colorado or move it to Huntsville, Alabama, should be decided before the end of the year. Was it? No. (laughs) It was not. I don't know what's going on. Maybe they're watching to see how Congress is going to come together. I don't know. But right now, General James Dickinson, who said back in late November, um, the decision will be coming out shortly, said it should be done by the Secretary of the Air Force by the end of the year. Um, psh, hadn't happened yet. Well, that's kind of classic for the Biden administration. We'll just wait and watch. So all of y'all who are wondering, is Alabama going to be the host for Space Command, especially you guys who are listening right now in the Huntsville area? I think the answer is still probably yes, but it's kind of like waiting for Speaker of the House to be elected. It just ain't there yet. And we're waiting and we're watching. So there's that. Number two, Triple Dipper, military moves. Boomer, take me to a break. We'll go take it. We'll come right back. We got plenty more tomorrow. I suspect that we'll also have, I don't know, maybe Congressional Chess Part 4 tomorrow (laughs) because Speaker of the House is a big, hairy deal, and they are still voting. And, oh, by the way, the 10th vote, McCarthy's already lost. All right, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. That just felt mellow, man, coming back into Hotel California. I don't think I expected that. That was a, that was a surprise. <laughs> I just wanted it to be a little mellow, I, just, I, I, was ready to, I was ready to rock to, like, some Guns N' Roses, <laughs> and all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's like go oh. riding with the windows down in the car. Oh. With the wind in your face. Oh, Yeah. That's what I was thinking that because in our studio right now, it's so hot. I it just needed free. some air. Or it something is so hot. There are so many things. <laughs> we have two TVs. We have five computer screens. We have two computers. We have multiple servers. And we have me blowing out hot air left and right. So it is like we always, in fact, we open the door to the studio and it's like 
<laughs> 12 degrees cooler right outside the door to the studio. Mm-hmm. We got to figure this out, Boomer. And I'm going to start getting fans in here. Okay. All right. Here's the deal. You got to <laughs> you gotta stop figuring out all the tech and get us some air. <laughs> I don't care Put about live streaming. I don't care about live streaming no more. <laughs> I got to have some air. I got to breathe. <laughs> um, Got some great texts. Uh, John from Lexington, South Carolina, said that last story about the Wagner Group. He says the Wagner Group had 300 operatives get smoked by an SF, a special forces team, during the Syrian Civil War. That's that's okay. He said, also believe they suffered significant casualties earlier last year and are now dependent upon foreign untrained forces. Believe the articles can be found on the Longworth Journal. I will look for the Longworth Journal. John, thank you much for that. I appreciate it. If you have a link to that story, go ahead and send it to me. Um, so uh, Steve from Madison says uh, DOD was waiting for the NDAA to pass. The decision will come soon regarding, I would think, regarding uh, what he's talking about is Space Command coming to Huntsville. I think so, too. The NDAA, though, is like weeks old, and uh, there's still nothing that would keep this from happening. The NDAA may have some policy written into it. By and large, it's budgetary, and they knew what the budget was going to be. So I really think this is uh, just a matter of they don't want to pull the trigger. They want to they want to. They want to just hopefully let this thing kind of happen quietly. Anyway, we'll see. Steve from Madison, thanks for the text, man. Um, Michael from Taft, Tennessee, uh, with regards to that story I was had of Indigo about federal contractors uh, being, you know, the, the Fifth Circuit stepping up for them on the vaccine mandate, says the court just said, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> I may have to wear my hat. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Tony from Piedmont said chai comms, maybe. And that, yep, that's, that's, here you go. Um, Hey, listen, before we end the show, I got to tell you one of our longtime sponsors, in fact, one of our, our, our permanent sponsors who's been with us since the very beginning of this show is ZLA solutions. If you are looking for a job right now, let me just tell you, as you're driving home, listening to the show, think about this. If you're looking for a job, go to ZLAUSA.com. They've got great jobs posted all over North Alabama, but if you're an employer, needing to fill out the ranks of your workforce. And let me just tell you, ZLA Solutions, that's their bread and butter, man. They can, they can hook you up. They can get the onesies and twosies, the special skills, or the whole shift of people. It doesn't matter. Blue collar, white collar, no collar, they can recruit it. They can do the drug testing, the uh, background checks, all of it for you. They are good at what they do, and they are making a dent in the whole uh, realm of jobs and economy here in North Alabama. Uh, in fact, I need to get uh, Andrew from ZLA on the show again sometime soon to talk about the latest trends. Um, all right, folks. Hey, what an amazing day. Two dippers and a congressman. That sounds like a, a beginning of a joke. <laughs> Two dippers and a congressman went into a bar. <laughs> all right, folks. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Boomer and I back here tomorrow, too. Have an amazing night. We'll see you then. ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right